turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Don't listen to those around you when you really know something is not true. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 17, and I entitled this message, Another Test. I wonder how many of you like to take tests. Well, if you're anything like me, tests are not at the top of your priority list. I don't know about you, but I always get a little nervous when it comes to taking a test. I remember when we first moved back to California after we had been in Virginia for eight and a half years, and I had to get a new uh, California driver's license. And so uh, I don't just have just a normal license. I I have, you know, to drive the car. I got an endorsement to do motorcycles on there. I have a CDL, a commercial driver's license, uh, you know, so I had to take all these tests, you know, in order to get your CDL, you have to do an air brake test. I even had a thing of pulling triples, you know, not that we're going to be pulling three trailers, but hey, I had it on my license. So I didn't uh, pass all the tests in one day. I passed three of them, but I failed two of them. So I had to go back the next day and take two over. And then I only passed one of those two. So you can see I'm not really good on these tests here. You know, then I had to go back the third day and I finally passed, you know, all five of them. Yes, finally. I passed them. You know, that was with, let me tell you, a lot of prayer. But one thing that I've learned about taking uh, any kind of test is this. Are you ready? Here's what I've learned. All tests are extremely hard if you don't know the information. It's like, (laughs) but it's amazing how easy a test becomes when you know the information. Gee, isn't that profound? Yes. (laughs) Well, in the same way, life is filled with tests on a daily basis. When we know what is right and wrong, that's a test. See, we know. And when we follow through with doing what's right, you know, then we can breeze through life, passing all those tests with flying colors. This is why we're told in James 1, he says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Notice James says, it's not just enough to hear the word or to understand the word of God. We must be doers of what we hear and understand in the word of God. Yet when we do fail to do it, you know, then we just delude ourselves. Like we're under a delusion. Like we think we're good Christians and yet, but we're not doing what we know to do right. He says, you're just deluding yourselves or we've been simply fooling ourselves into thinking we're something that we're not. It's like the fairy tale of the emperor's new clothes. 
clothes, you know, that where, you know, they couldn't figure out what else to make. The emperor is always getting new clothes, new clothes, and they kind of ran out of ideas. So they said, hey, just wear nothing. And so he came out in his underwear and they said, oh, you look fantastic. And everyone around him, oh, you look wonderful. You look wonderful. You look wonderful. You know, it's like, uh, and then finally he goes out and everyone, all of his yes men around him are like, oh, you look great. You look great. And he's strutting around in the city. And finally some kid says, hey, look at the king. He, uh, the emperor, he has, uh, he's in his underwear. You know, then all of a sudden he realized, I don't really look that great after all. Yes, there are many morals to that story, but the most important one is this. Don't listen to those around you when you really know something is not true for ultimately we're really only fooling ourselves when we read the bible now we must make sure that our definition of the word of god is biblical and our thoughts are not borrowed from the world there's a lot of people that are interjecting what the bible must mean or what it must say and a lot of these people are calling themselves progressive christians we're we're moving forward with more forward thought here for the Bible. Uh, No, we cannot adapt worldly thoughts into the biblical training that God has given us. The Bible is truth from God. It shows us what is right and it shows us what is wrong, meaning God gives us commands to obey. God gives us principles to guide us in his word. God gives us examples for us to emulate God gives us promises to claim, and God warns us of other things that we are doing or not doing. That's why we need to heed those warnings in the Bible. This is why we cannot accept what is politically correct just for the sake that we don't offend someone for that which is true might very well offend. In fact, I can tell you this for certain. Here living in Los Angeles in the 21st century, the word of God is going to be offensive to many people. You know, like one of the non-negotiable truths of the Bible is, get this, there's only one way to be forgiven of God. There's only one way to be forgiven of your sins. There's only one way to heaven. There is no other way and no other person can get to heaven through this one way. And to really know God is only through Jesus Christ. See, that's going to be a barrier for a lot of people right there. That in itself will be offensive to every single person outside of Christianity, those who are not born again. So think about that. If you are not born again, that is offensive. Are you saying that nobody else on the planet can be forgiven? Yes. Are you saying that all these other religions of all these other huge religions in the world, that they're not going to heaven? If they have not come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, yes, that is offensive. And you will never get around that. And that's why we are called to speak the truth and to not water things down to somehow appease people. Because that's not real love by giving someone a false hope. But getting back to tests, when we know what is right, yet we choose to do what is wrong, we fail the test that God allowed to come our way. And we all know when we fail God's test of right and wrong, that's when we give in to sin. Doing what God has said is wrong. Understand, God allows us 
to be tested. Listen to what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3.18. He says, I said to myself concerning the sons of men, God has surely tested them in order for them to see that they are but beasts. Wow. That's not what we wanted to hear. See, Peter was allowed to be tested. Remember at the last summer, Peter said, at the last supper, he said, Lord, though all of these deny you, And he's not talking to a bunch of riffraff homeless people that are down on the corner. No, he's talking about the Lord's hand-picked disciples that have been walking with him for three and a half years. Though all of these guys who think they really follow you, though they will deny you, I will never deny you. Then, of course, that was a test. And he, Peter radically failed that test because not even 12 hours later, he was denying that he even knew the Lord and he denied him three times. But yet God forgave him and God gave him the opportunity on the day of Pentecost to preach the most outrageous message and 3,000 people made commitments to Christ. Yes, again, when we sin, it only proves to ourselves that God, what he has said is true in his assessment of man. And what is God's assessment of man? That we have all sinned, that there's none righteous, no, not one. For all of humanity could never argue with God about our sin. Why? Because we're guilty. But many people, they don't want to look at that. They say, well, no, I'm a good person. And they don't want to really see themselves as God sees them. But I love that verse in Lamentations 3:39 and 40. It says, why should any living mortal or any man or woman offer complaints and a lot of people complain to God well what about this and how come the world's all so upside down right now what about this what about this what about this in view of their own sin how can you offer any complaint to God how can you shake your fist to God in view of your own sin let us examine and probe our own ways let's just search our own hearts and then let us return to the Lord That's why when people have all these things, I don't like the way God ran the planet Earth down here. When I get to heaven, I'm going to march into the throne room and I'm going to say, God, I got a bone to pick with you. No, you're going to fall on your face before the living God and you need to humble yourself. That's why God says, do that now so that you can stand in my presence. Yet when we're tested, God uses it as a refining process in our lives to draw us closer to him. God uses this analogy when talking about his people in Zechariah 13, 9. He says this, and I will bring the third part through the fire. But what happened to the first two parts? Well, they didn't get to heaven. They didn't get to him. No, they were fell away. They, they were just blasphemers and sinners, and they never got a chance. So the first two parts, no, you're not even getting a chance to get before the Lord. But God says in Zechariah 13, 9, he says, but I'll bring the third part through the fire, through the testing, through the hardship, through the difficult times. Because he's talking about the end times. He's talking about the Jewish people who have rejected him. And he's talking about the ones that have completely mocked him. But he says, I will refine them as silver is refined and I will test them as gold is tested and they will call upon my name and I will answer them and I will say, they are my people and they will say, the Lord is my God. And he's talking about these at the end and he goes on to say there in Zechariah, you know, they will call upon me, those whom have pierced me and they will say, how did you get these wounds in your body? 
And the Messiah, Savior, will say, well, it happened in the house of my friends as the Jews turned on him. Not the Jews as in all the Jews, but the religious Jews did and had Jesus crucified. And let's not think for a second that God takes these tests in our life lightly. For when we as Christians do what's right, we're assured that our faith is real and will result in glory when we stand before our Lord Jesus one day. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 says that the proof of your faith It's more precious than gold, which is perishable. Even though you're tested by fire, you may be found to the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. And now, as we continue in our study through the book of Exodus, you remember from our last and previous studies just how many times God's people have failed the tests. They have failed many tests in our studies thus far. They were consistent. They were consistently failing every single test. I wonder how we fare when we're tested by God. I know I fall at times. But the question is, do we learn anything from those times when we do fail and we do fall? Or do we just continue to fall and fail at the same thing over and over again, never fully trusting that the Lord is going to move inside of us, then never fully trusting that God is going to make the way straight for us? I remember this one lesson that the Lord taught me. I was back in Virginia and I was driving down this road and and I'm just cruising down the road and, and there's this turtle and he's just like crossing the road. And it's, this is not long after we had first moved back to Virginia, back there to help start a church. And, you know, this turtle's crossing the road and I'm just like, you don't see this in Southern California. You know, it's like, you know, so this turtle's about this big and he's crossing the road and I'm like, oh man, the turtle. And it's like, he's right in the middle of the lane, uh, you know, of the actual lane that I'm driving in. So, you know, I ran over the top of him. So I pulled over. I'm like, I got to save the turtle. So I jump out of my car and there's like eight cars coming and I'm waiting for these cars, but he's like literally in the center of the lane. So they're just going right over the top of him like I did, right over the top. One car, five cars, six cars, seven cars. The eighth car was coming and he was driving way to the side of the lane, like way over to the side, like like he's almost off the road. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, don't you see the turtle? And he's coming. I'm like, no. And he's way over. I'm like, dude, just get in the lane. And he runs right over the turtle. And just, and I went out there and I picked him up and his shells cracked and he's looking at me and I'm, I mean, he, it was, it was going to be over for him. And I'm just like, no, I was so just broken because of this turtle that was crushed. And I just remember how right then the Lord just said, it's not that I don't care about this turtle, but I care a lot more for people. I go, do you care as much for the people that are around you? as you do for this turtle. And I'm just like, oh, you know, and it's like, you know, God has used things like that in my life to just speak to people and get past that fear of, you know, walking up and talking to a stranger or whatever, because it's like, oh my goodness, our hearts can go out for an animal. Our hearts can go out for this living being, but do our hearts go out for some scumbag on the street, for some homeless guy? 
or some guy in the office, you know, your next door neighbor. I mean, do you not have any compassion for him? And I'm just like, oh, you know, it's like, wow. It's like God really spoke to me on that. Yes, we can be tested in many ways, like what we do when we're alone and nobody else is watching. Will we do what's right in that moment? And what about everything else in life around us? Will we lie if it helps us out? Will we cheat if it profits us? Will we talk to uh, another person down if it can lift us up? What do we do? Well, how we pass the tests in life will reveal where we truly stand with God. The people of Israel had all left Egypt. The problem was Egypt hadn't left them. Remember, we've all been bought with a price. The cost was enormous. Jesus Christ laid his life down. He was brutally beaten and murdered for my sin and yours. See, if we don't understand who we really are in sin and how God really looks at sin and that there's none righteous, no, not one. If we just think we're good, we're good, we're good. I'm just such a good person. Jesus is, he's got to be so happy to have me. I'm so wonderful. It's like, do you not understand that everything we've ever done in the dark that nobody else has seen, every wicked thought we've ever had, it will stand before God. And if it's not for his forgiveness, no one would stand in the presence of God. But because he came down and was brutally beaten, he took the punishment that was due to us on his body. That's why we magnify him. That's why we we have a time of worship here, that we can worship him and just say, thank you for all the things that you've done in my life. Yes, we've been bought with a price He took our sin, yours and mine, on his body. And now, as Christians, we're all called to a higher calling, just like these people were. But the only way that we can attain a higher calling is to become who God desires us to be, no matter what the cost is. And how can we get to that place? It's by seeking his face on a daily basis, by growing in our relationship with God, by having a real devotional life, by reading his word daily, by praying on a daily basis, staying in fellowship with the body of Christ, having godly friends, by allowing God to reach down and grab us by the hand in the midst of this life that we live here on planet earth, on this side of heaven, in the midst of our struggles in the midst of our strains and for us to learn to truly learn from our mistakes to the point where we change our habits that cause us to fail there's habits that we have that cause us to fail in certain areas think about that for a moment why is it that we fall on our face and pray for deliverance when we fall into a trap yet We don't spend time in prayer to keep us from falling in the trap in the first place. Meaning we always pray when our plans fail. How about praying more about his plans instead of our plans? Remember, God's plans are far greater than our plans. It might be worth spending more time seeking his plan first before we fail at our plan Just a thought as we pick up and read in Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 1, it says, Then 
all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin according to the command of the Lord. And they camped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. You know, gee, you think this is another test? We've already had this test. Well, they failed that one. So, well, let's bring it back again. If you keep having the same test over and over again, maybe it's because you're never passing the test. Okay? Verse 2, therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? See, he just lays it right in line. You are testing God in this. Hasn't he already delivered you? Hasn't he already blessed you? Aren't you not slaves anymore? Didn't he crush Egypt in front of you? Are you learning anything here? Why are you testing God here? Verse 3. But the people thirsted for water. And they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up from Egypt? It's all your fault. You delivered us from slavery. It's your fault to kill us and our children, and our livestock, and our thirst. You see, do you see how they, you know, why have you brought us up? You're going to kill, I mean, look, they're just, just getting nasty now. Just getting nasty. You, you brought us out here to kill us and kill our little children out here. You know, and our livestock with thirst. Verse four, so Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? A little more, and they're going to stone me. Why? I mean, they got... Things popping out of their neck. Notice it was the Lord that led them to right where they're at in the wilderness in verse one. The Lord led them there, okay? The Lord put them right there. Yet the people grumbled to Moses. Why have you done this to us? Give us water to drink. But once again, Moses said in verse two, why do you test the Lord? Moses always reminded them of who their complaint was really against. For God is the one that delivered them. God is the one that was leading them. Remember back in Exodus 12 that God gave them a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to follow. Why? For two main reasons. Number one, it was a visible sign that they could see the presence of God with them. They could see like, hey, the cloud's still there. Oh, there's the fire at night. It's just fire. I mean, wouldn't that be something crazy? Just a little fireball at night? Every night, it's there. There's the fireball. It's the Lord. He's with us. Look, right there. He, He hasn't left us. So number one, God gave them a visible sign. People say today, if I could just see God, I believe. Uh, now. Here, these people are seeing manifestations like God, like you're changing your socks. And it's like, they're not believing in God. It didn't increase their faith at all. Not even in the least bit. And number two, it was a GPS guide for them. For they were to follow the cloud and the fire when it moved. If it moved, they moved with it. They were to follow it. For God was leading them to exactly where they were supposed to go. You wonder like, man, I don't know which way to go. Do I go right or left? left? These guys didn't have to ask that. Follow the cloud, follow the fire. But here we are again. Here we are again. They're thirsty and there's not a truckload of bottled water waiting for them. So they start grumbling. And in verse two, they demanded water. I wonder if we don't at times do the very same thing. 
when things take a turn for the worse, when we blame whoever we can, it's my spouse, it's my, it's my relative, it's my boss, it was the way I was raised, it's my, my family, it's, it's the home I came from. It seems like everybody is always against me, when in all actuality, it might just be us. Maybe we're not learning the lesson that God desires us to learn. If we keep banging our head against the wall and nothing is working out, maybe we should ask the Lord, is there something that I'm missing here? Lord, is there, is there an area in my life that I'm not submitting to? Is there an area I need to change? Am I being hard to get along with here? Am I rebelling in any other area of my life? Am I like the children of Israel, demanding something from you that I shouldn't be demanding? Am I having an attitude with you, Lord? Is that what it really is, even though I don't want to say it? Because I don't like what's unfolding in my life right now. Be honest with God. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034.